From Like to Know It, this is Influencer Radio, a show about the influencer industry. This season, we sit down with some of the world's most successful influencers to unpack their unique life adventures and the digital businesses they built. I'm your host, Amber Vinsbox. Today, I'm speaking with Ashley Torres of lifestyle and fashion blog, Everyday Pursuits. Ashley is the queen of chasing after your dreams and listening to your gut. She's a firm believer in not settling for anything less than what you're passionate about. After passing the CPA and starting her career as a corporate accountant, Ashley knew something was missing and longed for more of a creative path. After launching her then blog, Pursuit of Shoes, Ashley realized her love for fashion could be a career. She worked in various impressive roles, including as a buyer for Haute Look, e-commerce for Nordstrom, and social media manager for Revolve. She's also since launched a podcast of her own and is now full-time with Everyday Pursuits. I'm excited to speak with Ashley today about how to carve your own path and combine your talents with your passion to create the career of your dreams. Thank you for being here today, Ashley. Thank you. I'm so excited. You're from LA. Yes, girl. Everybody wants to be from LA. I'm born and raised. So... We, we dream of like this childhood where you're like, you go jogging past the Hollywood sign, you eat like really good organic food. Like, tell me what it was like growing up in Hollywood. Um, well, I grew up in the Valley. So my whole life, I never even knew what the 10 freeway was, the 405. Like I just never went over the hill. So I didn't have a typical LA childhood that you would imagine or like what they show in the movies. It's just like suburbia grew up with my family. I have three siblings, went to high school in the Valley too. It's not until I went to USC for college that I actually saw what was like on the other side of the hill and kind of grew into loving, loving, loving LA. So one of four kids. Yes. That's a lot. It's a lot. I say a lot. I mean, we have three kids, but I mean, it, <laughs> you have it feels three like... kids now? Girl. Wait, when did this happen? <laughs> In three years. I remember. Oh, this is why. Because I was like, last time I was here, you were pregnant. Yeah. And the time before, the time before. But so you know all about this. Are you the oldest middle? Like what's I'm the oldest. Um, my brother and sister are twins. They're 23 now. And my baby sister is 16. So we got a huge age gap. Huge. Yeah. Is this like a Catholic thing? Yeah. My parents are Catholic. I grew up really Catholic conservative. I think my sister was just like an accident baby, to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, I grew up in a super conservative household, went to private Catholic school my entire life. I didn't know a Jewish person until I went to college. And now I'm married to one, which is funny. And was originally when I first started dating my husband, my mom would tell my siblings, oh, sh- he's going to have to convert for her. Like day two when we were dating, I'm like, chill out. We're not getting married. Now we're married. Neither <laughs> of us converted. We value religion and spirituality, but you know, kind of doing our own thing. So what was it like growing up in a household of four, like in LA? What was your mom like? What was your dad like? So my mom, well, she used to be um, a bra designer, a lingerie designer for a company called Oga. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but it was a really amazing brand carried in all the like big retailers. And she used to design lingerie and swimsuits. And like, that was her whole background. And my parents actually got divorced when I was two. And so they did their own thing. And my mom remarried when I was five. And my stepdad worked as a public accountant and kind of did the whole accounting thing, which we'll end up talking about, probably guided how my future and my college was. Um, And yeah, my, my childhood was great. My dad actually passed away when I was 12, which I feel like really shaped me and who I've become. I feel like I went through a lot of hardship in my youth and it's made me this person I am today and how strong I am and how when challenges come my way, I'm like, ah, it's fine. Like we'll get over it. It'll be great. Yeah. 
So tell me about that. So your, your, your parents divorced when you were very young. So you probably don't remember that. I would think. No, I mean, you, you have those memories of, I used to see my dad every other weekend and when he would come pick me up, my parents would bicker and like, I have those memories for sure. But, you know, especially now as I think about, you know, I'm married now and we think about having kids like, wow, it must've been so stressful for my mom. And like my dad too, like when you're young, you have no idea what they're going through. Right. Um, but for the most part, it was a really like great childhood and really happy. You know, something I think about a lot is my dad passed away at like kind of a pivotal point in my life, right? I was sixth grade, about to go to like real junior high and then to high school. And, you know, seeing your other parent every other weekend pulls you away from your friends at home, you know, cause my, my dad lived like four or five hours away. It wasn't oh, wow. like okay. just hop down the next street door. next door. You know, it was I'm gone for the whole weekend. I'm away from everyone, which when you're young, it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, high school, I was so involved with sports and I was a cheerleader and I swam on the swim team and everything that I did really was like a seven day a week situation. Right. And I think about my dad and I miss him dearly and I would never I don't know how to say it, but I just wonder what my life would have been like had he been alive when I went to high school because I think high school really molds you and who you are and my high school experience would have been so different had he been alive so looking back at that now as you say like you know as a married adult and as someone who's thinking about children do you see the world differently because of that experience yeah I'm I mean I just think for me this sounds so silly but I feel like every day I'm just grateful because you know, one day I woke up and my dad wasn't there and things can be taken from you like this. So I feel like as a grown up, I just value every day. And people always say, how do you have such a you know positive outlook on life? And I think that's where it came from. You know, there's kind of two ways you can go. You can go like really depressed and what's going on? Why is this happening to me? Or this is a teaching moment and a learning moment. And I feel like I'm going to try to instill those things, you know, when we have kids, because my, honestly, my husband has never gone through like any death in his life he just his parents are married still like one of three they just they're like the perfect little family and my family's great too like everyone has their things but it's interesting as we get older and as we're married now and we talk about children and how we're going to raise them I'm like your child was a little bit different than mine no I think that's going to be helpful in what you do and I love what you said earlier about if I've gone through this I can do anything now and I mean what an empowering feeling too of like what I hope this doesn't come across as like insincere or um how do I say like that is like maybe the worst thing someone can go through right and so and and live to tell about it and so to be on the other side like really there aren't many things <laughs> that can beat right so I mean it, it's a it's a very realistic like frame of mind but how empowering too of like maybe that gives you the freedom to try so many things when did you start working I started working in high school actually I worked for a florist I um, would you know help her with weddings, boutonnieres for proms and all that stuff. And I, I actually started working because my parents and I have always had this like weird relationship with money. Um, and I, they gave me a cell phone in high school, but they were like, you can only use it to call us if you need to be picked up or whatever. And of course, you're 16. I wasn't abusing it, but I would call my friends every once in a while. Texting had just come out. And that was like when you got the bill at the end of the month with line item, right? Like how many times you <laughs> called this person exactly what time, all that stuff. And I would get grounded and my parents would be like, we told you it's for this. And I was like, screw this. I'm freaking buying my own cell phone plan. I'm buying my own cell phone. 
work so I can do whatever I yeah. want. How and old were you at this time? 16. See, okay. I was very, I'm the oldest and I was very stubborn. My parents thought I was going to be a lawyer because all I wanted to do was argue. And it's funny because my siblings are like the total opposite. But that's why I started working because I was like, I need money to buy the things that I want and do the things that I want. And from then on, I mean, I've always had a job, if not two jobs. Like in college, I had two jobs. So you're going to have a job. You're going to buy the things you want. I totally feel you on this. And then where did you decide that you wanted to spend your time earning money? Like, where did you start working first? Oh, at the, at the florist? Yeah. Yeah. And then I worked at a restaurant. Okay. Um, and I worked at a burger joint called Islands. Some people may know it. Um, and I, let me tell you, let's give some advice. I think every person should have a job in food service in their life or hospitality because it will change your perspective on interacting with people in that space forever. And you'll have so much more respect and not be a crazy person or a total B to someone because they weren't, you know, doing everything hand over feet for you. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think, like, what experience is there molded this point of view? Well, the burger restaurant I worked at also was very frequented by high schoolers. Like, we all know we were not our best humans in high school in terms of being respectful to people. And I just feel like I saw the worst in people sometimes. And you have to put a smile on your face and the customer's always right, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that taught me, it taught me also that you don't know what people are going through, right? On either end, you know, as a customer, if you're gonna be a jerk to me as your waiter, I could be having the worst day of my life, right? My boyfriend could have just broken up with me. You have no idea. Same on the other end. Maybe someone is being so grumpy or you know, not nice because they're dealing with something. It taught me compassion and empathy, which I feel like is so important in every facet of your life, business and personal relationships. I totally agree with you. We, I always say that at Reward Style, um, some of our very best and most favorite team members are people who have worked in hospitality of any kind, whether that's in, in restaurants or working retail. It just, there's a... Um, humility yes. that you learn mm -hmm. in those situations. But I think it also makes you what you said, like a better human because having sat on the other side and my, my brother, um, right after college was doing some like waiter jobs. And he's like, I had no idea what was on the other side of this. And he's like, I treat wait stop with a smile. Every time I learn their name, I tip them well. He was like, I approach the world differently having been on a service um, side of it. Yep. So you did the burger joint, did the florist, and then what happened after graduation? I did burger joint actually right before I went to college and throughout college. So I went to USC. It's so funny because, you know, in high school, I was like, I'm going to go as far away from college as possible. I'm going to New York. I'm not, not staying near you. And then I got accepted to USC. And honestly, like sunshine and ocean kept me in LA, which it still keeps me in LA. And so I went to USC. I went in thinking I wanted to be a kinesiology major, which is like sports medicine, right? Like the guys on the side of the basketball court, like fixing up everyone when they get hurt. And I took a kinesiology class and hated it. I'm like, okay, this might not be my field. So I was undecided for a little bit. And then my, like I said, my stepdad is an accountant and I saw what he, you know, had provided for our family and everything seemed so. It's kind of a sure thing. A sure thing, you know, yeah. it's just, and then this happens and then you get a raise and you become a director and you do this, right? It, in my mind, I'm like, this is what grownups do. And so when I was kind of undecided, I realized business was probably what I needed to get into because you can apply it to anything. And honestly, I truly love math. It's 
If this falls through, I'm going to be an algebra teacher in the high school. I'm not kidding. I love math so much. I got into the business school and then picked accounting as kind of my, you know, focus. And through that whole time, I was working two jobs, still working at Islands and also working on campus, like doing customer service stuff. And it was great. I mean, I feel like I'm one of those people that always needs to be juggling a bunch. And my high, I mean, my college career was the best and I loved it so much. And, you know, I lucked out because if you're, and I think it's this way, like if you're a finance or an accounting major, if you do an internship your junior year, right, between your junior and senior year, and don't just like totally mess up while you're there, like you just show up and put a smile on your face, they'll offer you a job. So I had a job at Deloitte going into my senior year of college, which that's always nice to that's have. A, that's a, yeah, that's a great next step. Yeah. Yeah. And what was interesting is that was also 2008. So the economy was about to hit the shitter. Can I say that? Yeah. <laughs> um, the economy was about to go, you know, south. And I was really grateful that I had a job because a lot of my friends did not get out of college with a job. No, I absolutely know that. All, almost all my friends moved home. None of them had jobs, even for years. And so they were doing things that were totally unrelated to their career, just part-time, just to try and wait for those things to open up or to come back around to be investable again. It was a very tough time. And so, yeah, I'm sure you and your parents were also really excited that you not only had a job, but had a really high-paying job. Yes. And yeah, it was great. I mean, coming out of college with a high-paying job, full benefits, like 401k, everything. I was like, okay, I'm officially an adult. This is great. I've launched. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened once you got there? I mean, it's it's interesting because accountants to me so many times, or at least what we've seen is we, some of our most successful influencers were accountants and had this like itch for creativity. And I have a feeling this is what's, what's coming in your story. So tell me about like you walk in the halls of Deloitte. How did it go? Um... <laughs> Deloitte was great. I mean, the company is amazing and I so valued my time there. I just realized very quickly that public accounting was not for me. I had just passed the CPA, had been studying like nobody's business. And, you know, you should be so happy when you pass the CPA. Like, great, check that box, blah, blah, blah. And I was miserable. I was so miserable. Like Sunday scaries were next level Sunday scaries. And like I said, I'm a pretty positive, happy person. And I just realized one day I couldn't do it. And it was right before busy season, which is when you start working like 80 hour weeks and never sleeping. How many busy seasons every year? There's only one. There's one. Okay. But it's, it starts right after Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so I was dreading Christmas because I was like, then after Christmas is busy season. And like, who dreads Christmas? Christmas is the best. <laughs> like, that's when you know you need to change jobs. So for, for listeners who aren't as familiar with the accounting industry, right. um, tell us a little bit, like, what does busy season mean? That's not just like a term of just like, oh, this is the time when I have a lot, lot going on. Like, it's actually, it means something different for you guys. Right. So it's to prep all the tax returns and um, not even tax returns because I didn't do tax accounting, but like all of the documents that are needed for public companies to file Um and literally I've forgotten everything about accounting. <laughs> like I just washed it out. Anyways, it's like yeah. everyone... All the big companies owe their audits and to make sure their financials are, you know, correct. I think it's isn't March or April. I don't know if it's actually tax day. Anyway, it's like three months into the year and you have to go in and just make sure everything that they're doing and talking about financially, their assets, their cash on hand is correct. And you end up just spending, I mean, 50, 60 hours, like not even 80 sometimes. Like you, you go home at... 3 a.m. and you barely brush your teeth and you wake up again and go back to work. And it's like that for three or four months. 
And it's just, it's very high stress. Yeah. It makes sense why it's high paying, right? I right. guess is like, right, yeah. you know, they're, they're keeping people around because there's not many other industries where you can work people that hard, not only just for like a weekend, but like for like a month. Right. I mean, my friends in accounting talk about how you go in on Sunday, you go in on Saturday, you stay late, you're up early. Like the brushing teeth thing is like, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully uh, just throw some gum in and call it a day. Yeah. And so you didn't want to go through that again. No. And I didn't really know what to do, you know, and I had just studied a through college and through the CPA. Also the economy was so bad. Again, like no one had jobs. I should be so, so grateful that I had a job. And it was one of the first times I think I realized money can't buy happiness. It doesn't matter how much money you have, because if you're not doing something that fulfills you, it's just not going to work. Right. And I remember going to my parents' house. I was so scared. Like I was shaking because I I thought they were going to yell at me and be like, go back to work, figure it out. And I told my, my parents and my stepdad said something to me that has always stuck. He said, you have to work for another 40 years of your life, 40 years. Like, what is it that you want to do? Figure it out. And I was like, wow. I didn't think, you know, when you still like you get in your head and you think like, oh, this moment, this is the only thing that's happening. Right. When you're 20, you're like, you can't look past 23, 24 to think 40 years of, of you know, a job or career. And so I was like, you're right. And this isn't it. So I quit. I did not have another job. I luckily had already started applying to a few places. So I was only really out of a job for a few weeks because what happened was I applied to a company called Hotlook. I applied to a lot of places that I basically anywhere I went online on a daily basis, like any website, any shopping, whatever it was, I was like, I'm going to apply there because I'm interested. And so I applied to a company called Hotlook, which some people call Hotlook. And I applied for a production position. It was super entry level. At that time, what minimum wage was what, like $8 or something. And I got the job because the head of HR used to be a PricewaterhouseCoopers recruiter, which is another accounting firm, right? So she, my, my resume came across and she goes, you know, this girl's smart, obviously, but like, why does she want to work here? And why is she applying for this position? And, you know, she told me she couldn't pay me what I was making at Deloitte. And I was like, it's fine. I don't care. I just want to get my foot in the door at this fashion company. So I started there. I was working as a bartender, not a bartender, a cocktail waitress on the weekend. I definitely made more money in the Friday and Saturday cocktailing than I did Monday through Friday at my full-time job. And yeah, that was kind of what like put me in the fashion space. But we should back up because I started my blog like right before I quit Deloitte. Oh. Yeah, I started my blog. It was Pursuit of Shoes because I needed a creative outlet. And I was like, I love shoes. I want to talk about shoes. And that's how my blog started. So before I left Deloitte, I started the blog and it kind of, that's like the beginning of how it all started happening. Yeah. Yeah. So from what I understand from like accounting firms or consulting firms, you know, there's, there's like a a business dress that's expected. So I'm picturing you in like this great fitting, like little skirt suit thing, but with like amazing shoes. Always. Literally. I like that. Cause that was the only like way you could get creative right? With your outfit, you would, you would wear your business casual, like banana Republic pants and white button up. And I would always have fun shoes. And that's when I was, you know, I was starting to make some money. And I would, I remember when I passed the CPA, I got my bonus. I bought my first pair of Manolo Blahniks. And I was like, yes, this is life. (laughs) And then you realize it's not because shoes don't make you happy. (laughs) (laughs) What you've come to is something that a lot of people grapple with and really two things. And it's 
I've just spent a lot of money on an education for a, a specific thing, which is a it's a crazy societal phenomenon that that you are supposed to know at 18 years old what your training is going to be for for the next 40 years of your life, not ever having done that thing, but you spend a whole lot of money. And then you also then spend, like you said, all this extra time studying for this thing. So you've spent years now gearing up for this career that you've landed that's really high paying and like a sure thing once you're in pretty much, just don't mess it up. And then you're saying, I have this like this creative need and I need to go do something else. And a lot of people in their careers feel very trapped in their careers or unsure of what something else would look like because they have so explored that career path that it's, it's hard to unwind, um, all the work that's been done there. So I think it was a really brave thing and also incredible of your parents to actually guide you to that and say, Hey, we don't want you to be miserable for the next 40 years. Like how fantastic of your stepdad to say, Ashley, like this is your opportunity. You should make a change. Absolutely. I mean, all of that hundred percent. I think it's so funny. You said that about having to know when you're 18, right? I just spoke at my high school about career day and they're looking there. Everyone's so scared. Everyone is so scared about the future. And I looked at them and I said, Instagram did not come out until four years after I graduated college. There was no way when I was 18 years old, I could have ever predicted this job ever. Like you just can't. So don't be that worried because it's always going to twist and turn. There's new things like technology is moving at such a fast pace. Um, you know, I will say, I do think if you don't know exactly what you want to do, which I don't know how you would if you were 18, getting a business degree is always helpful because it is, you can use it across the board in so many different industries. And, you know, that's, that's what I would always suggest. Like the, the girls that were like, well, I don't know what I'm going to want to do. I was like, business, maybe business. Yeah. It's those skill sets that are so transferable. Yeah. Business is transferable. I think there's, you know, you need that plus like some communications mm-hmm. I think is very transferable. Mm-hmm. Um, less transferable things I think of that maybe are are less suited for a four-year degree, but more of like either community college or self-training or, you know, there's other type career types that you might not even need to, to go that path. Um, just depends on, you know, what you want to end up doing. But the other thing that I think is really critical about your story and, and hopefully expiring to many people is you said, I've now, I've bought the expensive shoes and been able to afford the expensive shoes, but that didn't make me happy. And I think a lot of people too are like, I'm in this sure thing job and I live in this nice house, but actually I don't ever get to come home to it. Right. And what you said is like, yeah, you're like, I I came home for four hours to brush my teeth. So what was the use of having this like beautiful space that you could afford and pay taxes on if you actually couldn't even be there to enjoy it? And that's something, you know, for, for everyone, myself included, to look in the mirror and say, what is it that you're actually trying to achieve? And then, and then let's work on that goal instead so what a what an interesting twist so you started applying you're now at hot look Mm -hmm. and did you stay in that job so the production position was very um just not getting my wheels turning you know I was so used to working like you know crazy hours and also on really complicated things and it was not that complicated and I was probably done with my work for the day at like 10 o'clock after getting there at nine. And I remember those were the days when like all you did was refresh Perez Hilton and like refresh Perez and be like, what happened today? Oh my God, Brittany, don't do it. You know, whatever, whatever happened, that was like my life. I would get my work done in like the first two hours and then just 
know everything about pop culture. Wait, was this related to your job at all? Or this no, was just no, okay. this was I, I, I did my work and then I was bored and I would be like people.com, Perez, TMZ, and just like rotate to know what was going on. Cause this is like when Britney was like going a little crazy. Britney 08. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's so great because I totally went to Perez Hilton and you know what? Like this was like early days of web for me. I didn't just this time you didn't sit at home and like browse websites. Like that's never something I felt my time with. There weren't many websites. And so I think I went to like who, what, where, which Mm -hmm. was essentially a Tumblr that posted every day of like a roundup of trends that celebrities were wearing. It was like a single static image. Perez Hilton, you could go and refresh, but very similar. I think it was like either a blog spot or like a Tumblr type feel where it was like these little posts, almost right. kind of look like little Instagram posts, like yeah. image with like a little bit of text in the middle of a screen. And there's always this like, or maybe it was later, this like funny face of Perez, like out the side. And, or draw. Did he draw? I can't even he remember. He drawn, yeah. And... And he was like, I think super overweight at one yes, point. Yes. And then he got really, really thin. Um, but anyway, he was like the celeb gossip because there was no Instagram to scroll through. There was, and, and you had to wait for people to come out every week. Yeah. And my mom was subscribed to people, but like you read that once and then you cut it up the second time and then you're done and there's yeah. like nothing new to follow. So this is like a really interesting time to be yeah, on the this internet. Is, this is like when blog started, whether it was fashion or anything like Perez Hilton was a blog, right? A celebrity gossip but no one even knew it was a blog because blogging wasn't a thing right so if you like if you would ask me that time do you get online I'd be like yeah sometimes I get online and I go to a website it's called this and it would have been like one of those two websites but um yeah blogging that was not like a household part part of like common vernacular right right and so I had my blog and I would also do that during work which was like probably not what I I mean Perez whatever I was getting my work done okay (laughs) and and yeah, so I was doing my blog too. I was, I mean, so glad that URL doesn't live anymore because it was bad looking back. You know, growing pains, always growing pains. But so what happened was... Wait, what was that blog? Pursuit of Shoes. Okay. And, yeah. And it was, was it just pictures it was of on your blogger. shoes? It was on Blogger and it was really bad pictures of my shoes put through like the ugliest filter, not even filter. I don't even know. Uh, it they, was I don't think awful. there were filters yet. It yeah. was pictures of my shoes with like why I like them and where you can buy them. But the photo did not fit like the full pixel width. It was li- it was just awful, you guys. And um, so what happened was my boss could tell I was bored, obviously, because she probably walked by five times and saw Perez and said, what are you doing, Ashley? And a position opened in the buying department for an assistant buyer. And she said, I think you should apply for this because, you know, buying really is less about being fashionable it's so much more math there's margins there's inventory there's so much math related to it and of course I love math and I like fashion so it was a good combination so I applied for the position and I got it and so I did buying for like two or three years and I loved it it was very high stress I will tell you and at this time I'm still growing my blog right quote unquote growing and I think Facebook was obviously out. Twitter was out. Pinterest had just started. And it was when Pinterest was invite only still. And I remember someone saying, do you want an invite? I got an invite. And I said, no, I don't need another like thing to juggle. Right. I already have Facebook. I already have Twitter. Little and I already have, know. I know, and I already have Vlogger. Like I don't need another thing. And so I said no for a long time. So and anyway, I'm growing my brand, you could say. And the CMO from I'd say downstairs because the marketing department was below us. He came upstairs and he said, hey, Ash, um, we 
really need someone to like run our social media. And I, I said, what? And he said, well, the copywriter does Facebook and she doesn't really like doing it. And, you know, we should be more active on Twitter. And now that this Pinterest thing is coming out, like, what do you think? And I said, I mean, is that a, like a full-time job? Like, that's the thing that people do? And he goes, yeah, I think so. And I said, if you can pay me what I'm making now, I will make a move to the marketing department and run your social media. And so I did that. But what was amazing, this was right when, when Holook got purchased by Nordstrom, right? So all this is happening simultaneously. And I basically went from like, not accepting a Pinterest invite for my personal to being at Pinterest with Nordstrom, like figuring out Pinterest strategy. Like that's my learning curve in like four months was insane because we basically got to pony on everything that Nordstrom was doing and they're, you know, world-class social media. So at work, you're being paid to learn how to be better at social media and you're getting indoors that you would have never had access to as an individual and then able to come home at night and apply those strategies to grow your own brand. Yes, 100%. It was great. I mean, we were at Facebook, we were at Twitter. I, it was amazing. And I was like, I'm living my best life. This is awesome. And meanwhile, we're also, we were doing dabbling in some influencer stuff at Hotlook. And I remember I spearheaded it. And this was, you know, people, I still wasn't even being that vocal about my blog. It was like, if they found it or if they were talking about it. And Instagram had just launched oh my God, I look like, what filter was I using? And oh, it was awful. Something with a dark edge. Yes, like, why, like why? Why did we do it this? It was the first one. Oh, so bad. Um, so Instagram, Inst had, Instagram just had just launched and we were kind of all trying to figure that out. And I was helping with some influencer stuff we were doing at Hotlook, but I never in my mind imagined like myself as an influencer, right? Like I was just running social media, helping wrangle the influencers and come up with ideas. And, and I have a question for you. So you're in LA mm -hmm. and LA at the time I would imagine influencer probably meant TV stars, like actresses, like talk show hosts. And like the rise of the socialite, right? Like okay. think about Perez made like Paris Hilton who she is, Got right? It. And like, pre-Kardashian, but Paris and what's her face? That show they had together? Yes. That was hilarious. Simple Life. Yes. Nicole Richie. Yeah. yeah. You know, so those were the influencers. And there was also these things, bloggers. I mean, Ami Song, Jules from Sincerely Jules. Like, they were doing stuff too, but we're all still taking bad photos. And this is 2013-ish? I think. Yeah, I'm so bad. I think so. Yeah. 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 If Instagram's out, it's probably about Yeah. 13. I think this was 2013. For sure. Yeah. So there had been the rise of this is when, what was that? Lookbook. Lookbook new. Yes, that was uh. it. And that's what people were like getting big on, right? If like, oh, do you have a lookbook new profile? Are people following you? And so, I mean, like you said, I'm learning all these things from working at Nordstrom Hotlook and growing my brand on the side. And I realized quickly after doing marketing for, you know, a year and a half or so that selling people's off price merchandise. Cause that's what Holoc is. It's okay. Right. Um, like sample sale off price goods uh. discounted. So s marketing a brand's off price merchandise is not nearly as fun and exciting as marketing their full price merchandise. And they're, I mean, they themselves aren't even that into it. Right. It's like, keep it hush hush. This is when, you know, these were member only, right? Like Hotlook and Gill Group were all like member only. You had to sign in. It was all behind a wall because brands didn't want you to see that things were discounted. And I realized that I needed full price marketing experience. And so I went to Revolve. That was intuitive of you. Yeah. 
I was just, I, I think it's because the brands were just like, well, we don't want to participate in this Facebook giveaway or we don't want to do this. I'm like, why guys? It'll be awesome. They're like, no, because then we have to tell people our stuff is 60% off. So mm. I went to Revolve and this was like, this is when like things were going crazy. Like when did you guys launch? 2011. I feel like this is when I first came to like the first Rewards Out conference, conference was, uh, I think 2012 was the first one. Yeah. Maybe I did go to that one yeah. and the next one. But I feel like this is when influencer, quote unquote, like blogger was becoming a thing. And I remember, you know, at Revolve, we were, we were figuring out like, oh, maybe we're not going to gift people. Maybe we're going to create these like campaigns with them. And you know, like Jules had a campaign where she would just have a specific selection of clothes that she promoted that let's see if she can sell them, you know, like okay. things that we were trying to test out on the influencer space. This was like Instagram was definitely big, but I feel like we didn't realize how big it was going to be. Right. We're mm -hmm. still just try we're still leaning so much on blog, blog, blog. Yeah. Well, it was a desktop world. 2013, only 30% of the web was being experienced from a mobile device. And behind the scenes, that's when I started getting more serious about my blog, right? Because I'm seeing this, I'm like, wait a second. Like if I could just invest in a photographer and make some really good content, like this could be me, I could do this. And so I think that's when I made like an executive decision that no more having my boyfriend at the time take my photos, no more like crappy editing. I'm going to hire a photographer and we're going to like make this happen. So I did that like, this must be 2014 though because what year are we 2019 this is 19 now <laughs> and I've been away from Revolve for three years so 18 17, 17. yes yeah, so this was like 2015 now um sorry we got our dates mixed up <laughs> you can look on my LinkedIn yeah. there's probably all the things there yeah. but yeah I think that's when I started taking it more seriously and we were doing some really cool stuff at Revolve I mean not nearly what they're doing now obviously to that level but the beginning of like having a ton of influencers like work on one campaign or do these trips or the huge parties. We did a pop-up at the Grove. Like we were doing some really cool stuff. And this whole time I'm building my blog on the side and really, you know, now seeing money come in and I'm like, wow, this can be a thing. What I decided to do, cause I, you know, this is, let's see. So how many years into your blog are you? So, so I started my blog when I was 22 or 23. Okay. My blog's 10 years old. I and keep saying it's eight and it's definitely, I've been saying it's eight for the last like two years. So you've been blogging for maybe like five years yes. at this point when you start making money blogging. Yes. And so how, like before you started making money blogging, were you blogging daily? No. Like, okay. I mean, in the first couple of years, probably like once or twice a week, if that. And then I started getting more serious about it. Um, I just didn't have the insight to see, you know, I, I look at my, I look back now and I kick myself. I'm like, why couldn't I just spend the money to get a photographer then or stay up later every night? But you know, you it was know. just like, you had no yeah. idea. And yeah, I had no idea. And I think at the end of my career at Hot Look and during Revolve is when I was doing the every night come home up till 2am getting the blog post up for the next day. Cause blog posts at that time took like how long to create? Mm, probably like an hour or two. And that was once you had the content. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like, you do like. You had to shoot it. Yeah. Pick the clothes, go style, shoot the clothes, steam iron, whatever. Get your photographer, get out somewhere cute, take it, bring it back, upload it. If you're going to edit it, edit it and then bring it in and then write the copy. Right. And then do all the links. And yes. Because like, you know, all we were award style and yeah. SEO and we were linking everything and 
you know, doing, yeah, all yeah. of that stuff. So probably, is it fair to say that a blog post at that time probably all in all took like maybe even more like four or five hours? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was doing that every night to make sure I got content up fresh. And what happened was basically I was getting a lot of inbound interest from smaller brands about running their social media because that's what I was doing at Revolve, right? And helping them on both the creative side and the ad side because a lot of these smaller brands like can't afford a CMO, but they need someone who can be because I'm very much like right brain and left brain. They needed someone who could run their ads but also create content. And I realized like there was an opportunity there for me to leave my full-time job so I could spend more time on what was still Pursuit of Shoes and, you know, get some extra income helping these other brands. So I left Revolve. So you had a plan. So I had a plan. I had a, and I had a client. I, I had a client. I basically did not leave Revolve until I had one client who was pretty much almost paying my entire Revolve salary. So I was in the clear, right? But I was working remotely. I can do my own hours, which would allow me to work on the blog, go to events. I mean, I think now we think of events as like, oh, you just go to an event. When you worked a full-time job, you couldn't just go to an event, especially because Revolve was not in like LA proper. I couldn't just like skip yeah, out for like lunch. Irvine yeah, it's or, in, yeah. oh my God, orange, like deep Orange County. Um, which for those who are not familiar with LA, at any given time would maybe even take up to a couple of hours. Yeah. yeah. To, to get out to. So even though it looks on a map, like it's right there, if you're working in, in LA proper and you're trying to get out to the headquarters, that's, it's oh, well it's, over yeah. an hour. Yeah. My drive every day was an hour each way, which is another reason why I quit because I could not handle it anyway. So it, it wasn't like, I felt like I was missing out on brand opportunities because I couldn't do the lunch ones and I couldn't make it in time for the dinner ones because of traffic. So I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm losing out and everyone's, you know, gaining steam. So I decided to leave. I had one really big client and then I started bringing on a bunch. I mean, by the time, I mean, so fast forward a minute, just so I can tell you this, I closed my agency in December of this past year. And at the time we had 13 clients. So, and it was great. And it was all word of mouth. I never advertised. I had a URL with a website that said coming soon that I never, ever put up. It was great. It was awesome. Um, that's the dream. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And it was awesome and scary, you know, because having clients and having, you know, we know as having campaigns doesn't always mean you get paid in 30 days. Like those two week paychecks are long gone and you have to plan. And I just did it. And I, I now I'm like, I don't know how I did it. I was really scared. So you're running campaigns for like 13 companies. Yeah. And you're also doing your own. Right. And that's when I decided to rebrand to Everyday Pursuits because I mean, what at that time, my blog had been around for six or seven years. I was much older, much more mature. It was so, it had already developed way more than shoes, right? Very much fashion. But I was kind of like pigeonholing myself into working with beauty brands or lifestyle brands or travel. You know, they look at my Instagram or my blog and they're like, oh, who's this pursuit of shoes girl, you know? And so we rebranded to Everyday Pursuits, kept the pursuit in there so that people would remember and the o the OG girls will know. And every day really encompasses every day. It's everyday me, whether that's traveling, getting married, beauty, talking about things like I just went off birth control and I'm trying to figure out my hormones. Like everyone is like, please talk about this. No one's talking about it. Like my hair's falling out, blah, 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 you know? True and story. A true story. Like that shit happens. But so now it's just kind of turned, it's really lifestyle, which I feel like sometimes people are like, well, what does that mean? And it's like, well, it's, it's me and everything that 
and is involved in my life and what I want to talk about. So as before you kind of pigeonholed yourself into talking about shoes, now it's you can talk about everything in your life, including even having a sex therapist on your podcast. Yes, 100 percent. Yeah. So here we are now. I so I, I shut down my agency business in December because I was being spread really thin, um, just burning the candle at both ends. And I remember being on a brand trip for Everyday Pursuits and everyone's like, oh, see you at 10 o'clock for breakfast. And I would wake up at six o'clock in the morning to make sure I got all my work done for my brands. We have breakfast and then everyone's shooting. I'm like, I can't. I got to answer emails. I got to do this. I'm like, this is not the reason why I decided to leave my full-time so job. So you've gone full circle here, which is really, I love the thing that you keep coming back to, which is, this is not the life I intended to build, and so I'm going to change something. And, you know, it sounds casual to say I closed down a business with 13 clients, but that's not casual. Like, that's an emotional thing that you have built and poured sweat equity into, and that you probably have team members that you're paying that are yeah. a part of this. Yeah, um, And so and that's... And just my, like, I hate failing at something. And I said to my husband, I was like, I can't, I can't do this because that means I failed. He's like, no, it means you pivoted. It means you're changing something. It doesn't mean you failed. You're and, reinventing yourself right. and, and your new self has better opportunities with something different. Yeah, it, it's, it's very tough to let something go. But I think that's the nature of technology and the business that we're in today. And I think what a lot of influencers, like existing influencers are struggling with was maybe I was a blogger, but now I have a bigger audience on social media or I had a bigger audience on social media. It's been throttled. I need to do something else. And it's like this scary, like, why do I have to change things? But that's, you I think, the nature to. of business. And I've heard a great quote that it's great businesses put themselves out of business. They start doing something else that's even better. Yeah. And so whatever they were doing before, sometimes you have to, what they say, like let some fires burn. And in this case, you decided to do that. But it, I imagine, like I said, that it was not something that's just as simple as tomorrow we're not going to go in. There's some unraveling that has to be yeah. done there. I had been thinking about it. Like I think I did a pod, I was a guest on a podcast like early last year and I said it. Like I, I knew it was coming, but it didn't take me until like September, October to be like, okay, this is happening starting January one, we're done with this. And it was hard, you know, um, especially on my ego, but Q1 for me this year has been the best like revenue year for me ever. And it's truly cause I've been able to concentrate and it, it not that it's been, it's been a hobby this whole time, but I've been able to like put my brain power to everyday pursuits and also, because I can't just do one thing at a time, I launched a podcast because really I can't. My husband's like, can you just stop for a minute? I'm like, I can't. I need to do something else too. Okay. So tell us about your team because this is a very much a business. Um, and obviously you can't be on like both sides of the camera or, or maybe you're not running sound, but you're talking. So who all is involved in the like business of everyday pursuits? So um, I have a contributing writer who helps me write. She also helps me um, get up stuff on Instagram stories every once in a while. And she used to be a full-time employee of mine with my agency. So I loved her so much. I was like, I can't, I don't want you to go. Like, how can I keep you? So she's part-time with me now. I'm hoping one day I can have her full-time. And I do have a manager, a blog manager. And then on the podcast side, I have a co-host. So the podcast is called As Your Friend. It's really like 30 year olds just talking about adulting, you know, like the timelines, the expectations. We have sex therapists on, we have um, injection specialists talking about things, you know, that we all do want to talk about, but you don't necessarily like feel comfortable talking to them with like 
your best friend sometimes. We, we like to say it's like you're in the car with us and we're going for a road trip. So my best friend and I, um, we have the podcast. And so he helps obviously like produce and ideate that stuff. And then we also have a sound engineer that records everything and edits everything, which is literally a godsend because I can't even imagine editing a podcast. <laughs> No, there's, it's it just it's time, right? And that's it's the so unique thing about being an influencer is you're a solopreneur, and so you and you are the asset, and so you have to decide where you are investing your time, and so that's why the delegation. And so, who's taking the photos? Oh, I have a photographer that I work with most of the time. Um, Andy, my husband, takes them too if we're on vacation or not. He's you know my photographer's not around, but I do have a photographer that I work with now super closely, especially for campaigns because I always, to me. You know, like brand campaigns should have the best photography and the best content, not just like an iPhone situation. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, between everyone, there's like four or five people. And my my husband is like pretty much an employee, too. Like he supports me in everything that I do. And I think closing my agency business had, was definitely a lot easier knowing that there's I have a partner right in life because we got married a year ago. And, you know, that is something that I'm so grateful for because you know, God forbid something happens. Like I have someone who can pick me back up and it'll be fine. If you were getting started everyday pursuits, fresh start this year, how would you go about that? Like blog and Instagram? Well, just like it had never existed before. It is like fresh launch this year. Like if you're a new influencer starting today, what, what do you do? I don't don't know if I tell you to do it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's tough. It's so hard. I think the barrier to entry now is so much lower than it used to be, right? Um, even now, you know, iPhone photos are the quality is so much better than what they used to be. Before, it used, you couldn't have an Instagram unless you had, you know, beautiful DSLR shots. And now, you know, you see these girls who are just killing it with their cool iPhone shots and like a great eye. And I'm like, wait, what? How? How did we get here? And like, good for them, right? And I think what I would say is, First of all, like, do you really want to do it? Second of all, what are you going to talk about? How are you going to provide value? I think that's something to really think about. Um, you can't set out with the idea of I'm going to be an influencer. Like that is that is not the right mentality, right? The mentality is I have something to talk about. I think it's important. I think people will find value from it. And this is how I'm going to do it, whether it's a podcast or an Instagram live that you do every week, whatever it is, like there needs to be some type of goal on the end and value that you're providing other than I'm just trying to be an influencer, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Two things you've learned lately that you are applying in your business and seeing success with anything from like, I use this editing app now to my captions changed a little bit like this. So I just started getting really into try on videos on my Instagram. Um, it's something that I've seen some girls do and I was like, this is really fun. And it's a really great way to show my audience different ways to style certain pieces. And so I've been doing that for like the past two and a half months. And it's been amazing. Um, both growth on Instagram and even just my revenue, like from reward style, because it's, it's actually been amazing in all different facets because I posted on Instagram, right? They have to go to my, my blog post to actually get the links. So I'm getting new web traffic and then you know, affiliate revenue from you guys. So that has been amazing. I will say it's so much harder than taking a static image, right? It takes me a full day pretty much from start to finish to shoot and edit. Cause is that like an app you use that's just like a setting you turn it on or you're having to go back and edit? I all go, of that? so I shoot it on my iPhone, 
but I edit in an app called Video Leap. It's really great. It's on the phone. I imagine it's probably like iMovie on desktop, but I don't know anything about iMovie. And yeah, I, I record in normal, speed it up in Video Leap, and then if you watch, you'll see I do some of these fun moves where I'm like throwing a hat or catching something. And yeah, that's all edited within the app. But yeah, it's all on mobile. By the end, my fingers are like, I'm like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Where can we support you? This is the opportunity for your just shameless plug. What's coming up and what are all the platforms that we can follow you on, including where we can buy this cute outfit on Like to Know It? This cute outfit, it's um, it's a yellow suit and I linked a bunch of them on Like to Know It, like different yellow suits and bright colors because I feel like they're all having a moment right now, right? Um, you can find me, Everyday Pursuits, on Instagram and on the web. I also have my podcast, which is called As Your Friend Podcast. You can find that on the podcast app, on Spotify. We have an Instagram. But listen and download. I would really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank it's you. been such a pleasure to have you. Thanks for sharing all your tips and tricks. We appreciate your generosity. Thank you so much. So much fun. Thank you for listening to Like to Know It Influencer Radio. Enjoy some West Coast style and follow LA cool girl Ashley in the Like to Know It app at Everyday Pursuits. The Like to Know It app is the only place where you can go to search for products and get 100% shoppable results, all in the context of the lives of real, influential people who use those products. Search for products like trench coat, over-the-knee boots, stroller, white marble table, and get results from real people who use them. Like to Know What Product Search gives you an incredible contextual experience that cannot be found anywhere else. Join our community by downloading the Like to Know It app on the App Store and Google Play.